good. Oh, you're going to hear me in a second. You just wait. There's a couple of people left to thank. Uh, Pastor Dave forgot to thank his mother. His mother, Mrs. Chase. Oh, you were going to do it? Sorry. Should have told me. Mrs. Chase vacuumed every speck off of this floor, and there were a lot of specks. I see, I see where Dave gets it from. She came right off the plane, brought her right here, and she began to vacuum. I was not sleeping the night before. Your legend grows. I want to also thank uh, Alan Reed. Uh, Alan Reed donated these beautiful baptismal pool lights. Do you notice that? Isn't that beautiful? And uh, I goaded him into climbing all the way up into those rocks with a ladder. I said, you'll be fine. I'll hold the ladder. <laughs> That's what I did to his brother, too. I, I, I just pushed them in every direction I possibly can. Uh, also, Hayward and Mary Jo, they, uh, they donated for our garden up there. So we want to thank Hayward and Mary Jo. Um, we had an anonymous, anonymous donor for our, our lights. Um, also, Mitchell from Screen Tech uh, also gave a very nice uh, donation. He came in and he was, so he does our air conditioning. He was so moved by how beautiful our building was that uh, he immediately gave a, a very nice gift. So we, we thank him for that. I want to thank Susan. Nay, where's Susan? There she is. Wow. We have a revival. You've moved much closer. I see people in the front row for the first time. We're thrilled about that. Susan managed, as she always does. She tells us where to go, and we go. Um, and usually it's to a nice place. Um, Susan did a lot of the managing, and um, we would come to her with one more project, and she yelled at us and then immediately forgave us. And David Reed and I would walk in with just one more idea, one more thing needed to be done. Um, we also had a, a guy who, he's not here this morning, his name is, is Herman, and Herman ran the electricity uh, under the stage. You would have been shocked to find what we found underneath the stage. Um, we were lucky we didn't have a fire. But Herman came in, and if he can get his head through the crevice, his whole body can get through. Uh, Herman was able to, to find a lot of our electrical problems and, and solve that for us, so I want to thank Herman as well. Lastly, Jerry Nelson. Jerry Nelson, I, there he is. I, I brought Jerry in here and I said, Jerry, we want the sound to be brought into the 18th century. Can you do that for us? That's all I'm asking, 18th century. And uh, he brought us into the 21st century and gave us a vision for, for sound. He is, we want to thank him one more time because he and the sound crew really worked hard Every Sunday morning, they were coming in very early and setting up that sound across the street. I, I could not in good conscience have them do that one more Sunday. It was too much, and, but they really, really sacrificed for that. So I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, and I'm sure I've missed plenty of other, uh, other people here. But again, just as Pastor David said, um, thank you so much to the church for, again, being patient with us and trusting us. Uh, we still have a long way to go. Now we have to pay for it. So that's our goal. There are other projects. 
This is my Thanksgiving Day sermon. In honor of our newly renovated sanctuary, I thought it would be appropriate to make today a day where I, your pastor, thanked all of you for what you mean to me and to our leaders. The Apostle Paul often thanked God for the churches he shepherded. The Holy Spirit inspired every word of the scriptures. And those passages where Paul thanked the churches are often overlooked for other passages. But this morning I wanted to join the Apostle Paul in thanking God for your faith, your gifts, your growth in the Spirit, your partnership in the Gospel, your love for one another, and your hope in the promises of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you that you have made each and every one of us in this church your stewards. Your word tells us that we are all members of one body of which Christ is the head. No one in this church lives or dies to themselves. We live and die to the head, which is Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, we're so grateful for the gifts you've given us. The people in our church who are gifted in many ways bring those gifts into the house of the Lord to share them with your people. And I am so grateful and so thankful for that. Today, we are so thankful for the opportunity to be your stewards of this local church, this local body to be in this neighborhood, to bring your great gospel into a dark and dying world, a neighborhood that desperately needs to hear the gospel message that if you bring all of your sin and lay it at the cross, Jesus Christ will forgive you. How marvelous, how amazing that you, God, would die for us. Thank you, God. Thank you for our church. This week as we go into the Thanksgiving holiday, we're going to give thanks for many things. But let us ponder the mystery of the amazing love of God. That you would come from your throne in heaven and die on a cross for our sins. And that we can have your inheritance if only we put faith in Jesus. How marvelous and amazing you are, God. We praise you. Amen. I want to thank you for several things this morning. I want to thank you first for your faith. In Romans 1.8, Paul began the letter by saying this, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Paul had never visited the church at Rome before, He wrote this letter, but the faith of the members was being proclaimed all across the Roman world. Evidently, this multicultural church made up of Jews and Gentiles had become an example of God's power in the gospel that transcended cultural divide. Northwest Baptist Church has been an example for decades of transcending cultural divide. Today... Our country needs us now more than ever to show them that the answer to racial divide and political divide is the one Savior and King, Jesus Christ. 
We have a great responsibility, members of the Northwest Baptist Church, red and yellow, black and white, to demonstrate to the world that there is one Savior. All men and women and children guilty before God, but saved by His grace, regardless of our color or creed. We are very grateful. I thank you this morning for your faith. Three years ago, Northwest entered into the twilight of a multicultural ministry as our beloved pastor for over 34 years entered into retirement. We were profoundly sad, but we didn't give up. We knew that God's work was still undone and still incomplete. We knew that God's work was greater than a man. Dare I say greater than a great man. We knew that God had begun his work here, but we still had work to do. But now the sun is rising over a new horizon of the Christian ministry here at Northwest Baptist Church. A ministry characterized now by growing together towards a greater love for God and for our neighbor. Our faith is growing more and more each day as we watch God manifest himself in our midst through God-glorifying worship. Christ-centered living and other directed acts of service. The vacuum left by years of strong leadership from our former pastor was quickly filled by our people of our church who united around one another to carry out the burdens of this ministry. I want to say thank you for your faith in Christ. It is this single thing that kept the embers of our fire burning during our transition and will one day spark the flame that sets this community on fire for Jesus Christ. Thank you for your faith. I want to thank you, church, for using the gifts God has given you. In 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 8, Paul said, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge. Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift. As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. The church at Corinth was far from perfect. There were rivalries. Great immorality was in the church. There were divisions and abuses of the gospel ad nauseum. But Paul still found reason to thank God for the church's many gifts. The Corinthians were not enriched, though, with these gifts of the Spirit for their own personal benefit. Instead, Paul notes that the church should pursue those gifts that build up the church as a whole so that the whole body might be edified by the gifts that God has given each individual in this church. One of the most anti-Christian trends in modern society is its emphasis on the pleasures of personal consumption rather than on the blessings of producing just for the sake of others. We consume food and drink, media and money, clothes and cars, all for the sake of ourselves. And yet, as Americans, we most often fail to produce for others. 
I submit to you that one of the hardest stories in the Bible for the average American today is the story of the rich young ruler. According to the gospel accounts, this young man was rich and noble in character, keeping all of the laws God had laid before him. But one thing he still lacked, namely a greater love for God than for his possessions. I thank God, Northwest, for your gifts. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not speaking only or even mainly about monetary gifts. I want to thank God for how you have sacrificed your time, your talents, and ties to make this church a beautiful garden in the middle of North Miami. When we give ourselves and our possessions to the ministry of God, we prove our fitness to follow Christ where better men have fallen. We prove that our love for God takes center stage in our hearts and that no thing and no one but Jesus Christ sits on the throne of our hearts. Thank you all for sharing your boundless gifts in order to make Northwest Baptist Church a lighthouse for Christ in our city. I want to thank God for your growth. In 2 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul said to the church, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. The church at Thessalonica was a young church who feared that Jesus' return had already happened and that they had been left behind. The death of some of their members coupled with the persecution of Rome led many to assume that they had been rejected by God. But though uncertainty and doubt were common in the initial years of that church, Paul was still able to note that they still experienced spiritual growth. The Christian is not perfect, but she strives to be more and more like Christ and to put to death sin wherever she sees it rear its ugly head. Paul noted that the work of sanctification, that means growing in greater holiness and more conformity to Christ, is our goal and by the Spirit's power. No individual or church, including this one, can grow in any other way than by the Holy Spirit's power and the Word of God. Paul said in 2 Timothy that all Scripture is breathed out by God. And that it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. I want to say thank you for your growth in sanctification. Our goal has been to conform more and more to the image of Christ. And we have done just that. Many of you are experiencing spiritual revivals in your life. Whereby the passions of the old sinful nature no longer have control over your body or your spirit. Others have reconciled with brothers and sisters that they have been at odds with for years. Still others have rekindled their love for the Lord's work and even the Lord's day. Being eager to stir up love and good works among the body. And to forsake not the assembling of ourselves. I have noticed your growth. 
others have noticed your growth. But rest assured that your Father in heaven, who rewards in secret, has noticed your growth. Thank you, Northwest, for your growth in sanctification. I thank God for your partnership in the gospel. Paul said in Philippians 1, 3 through 5, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The Philippian church shared an intimate relationship with Paul. The founder of the church, the Philippian jailer, was on the verge of suicide, but Paul led this man to a new life in Christ. Think about the polar opposites for a moment. This was a man on the verge of death, but Paul led him to eternal life in Christ. Paul references here the Philippians' partnership in the gospel, by which he is referring to the gift the church had sent him through his very close friend, Epaphroditus. The gift was monetary support for the missionary work that Paul was engaged in. And without the financial support and prayer of the church, the burden of missionary work would be almost impossible. At the beginning of this year, I asked you to pray that God would grant your leaders three things. Courage, clarity, and wisdom. Well, we have felt your prayers. It hasn't been smooth. It has sometimes been bumpy. There have even been times where we have had to make U-turns. But God has, as He always does, answered your prayers in excess and has even granted even more than you asked. Over the past several months, the pastors, the church staff, the deacon board have begun to experience greater and greater unity than ever before as we all have sought to conform more and more to the image of Christ. This would have been impossible without God's Holy Spirit convicting and uniting the leaders of this church to be one as the Father and the Son are one. But church, you have prayed for this and God has answered your prayers. It may have seemed insignificant at times, but your support in prayer has been the very fuel behind every single one of our efforts. The ministry isn't always easy, but having a church that prays for its leaders to conform more and more to the image of Christ, to increase in greater courage and in greater clarity and in greater wisdom, and to share the unity of the Holy Spirit has made our job a joy. Thank you, Northwest, for sharing in your partnership of the gospel. I want to thank you also for your love for one another. Paul said in Colossians 1, 3, and 4, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. He also said in 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, we ought always to give thanks to God for you. 
brothers, as it is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. I have said many times that the most overlooked theme of the New Testament is the unity of God's people. The people of God are called to be one body with one head, namely Christ Jesus. This body has many parts. Toes cannot be fingers. Eyes cannot be ears. If everyone rushed to be an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If everyone rushed to be an ear, where would the sense of sight be? But no, God has made us all different and gifted us in our unique ways to be one body, blessing God's people. When the body is fragmented or segregated or divided or any other thing that causes God's people to not be one body, it is debilitating to the ministry. But when the church of Jesus Christ increases in its love for one another, the body is made strong and healthy and increases in its effectiveness to fulfill the great commission of Jesus. That is to make more and more disciples in the name of Jesus Christ. Church, I have challenged you this past year to forgive your brothers and sisters their debts and to work towards greater and greater unity. I have asked you to find greater and greater joy by watching the gospel minister to others than by making church about your own personal preferences. I have asked you to consider others more significant than yourselves and to put the needs of your brothers and sisters preeminent in your lives. And you are responding to this challenge. Though we have much more work to do in this area, there is much evidence to suggest that you are growing in greater and greater love for one another. Remember that love is always other-directed. The kind of love that the Christian expresses for others is the same love that Christ expressed for us, for each and individual person in this house, namely a sacrificial, undeserving even dying love for others. Thank you, church, for growing in greater love for one another. Finally, let us all give thanks to God for his greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ. Paul told the Thessalonian church to give thanks in all circumstances. A thanksgiving sermon certainly would be left incomplete without giving all thanks to God. I submit to you that if we stayed here and counted the blessings of God this morning, there wouldn't be enough time left in the day. But the gifts of family, possessions, health, and home all pale in comparison to the riches of the blessings that we all have in Christ Jesus. God has supplied all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. 
The all-encompassing love of God for His people is demonstrated in the boundless riches of His Son and with no gift greater than this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is amazing love. Wesley wrote, amazing love. How can it be that my God would die for me? Show me the religion where their God dies for them. Show me the religion where their God leaves his throne and takes up a cross for a people who hated him. There is none like our God. This is amazing love. Let us never forget the wonder of the cross. We play the fool when we take for granted that we know the answer to the mystery of all mysteries. How can it be that my God would die for me? Just let it be a question. Let it remain an unanswered question. The mystery of all mysteries. That the holy God, eternal God, all-sufficient, all-wise, would die for an unworthy people. Don't answer this question. There is no answer to why a holy God would die for such a debased and rebellious people. Wesley wrote, no condemnation, now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head. And clothed in righteousness divine. Amazing love. How can it be? That thou, my God, would die for me. Thank God this week for everything he has given you. Family and friends. Health and wealth. But praise God in excess this holiday season. As you sing the glorious riches of this mystery. Which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this church. This is a wonderful church. Men and women who sacrifice for one another. Lord, we're not perfect, but we are striving to be more and more like you. I thank you, Lord, for all that you have given us, the many people. But Lord, we have work to do this year to grow in greater and greater love for one another, greater and greater love for you. But Lord, let us just today, just for this moment, say thank you. Lord, overwhelm us with the thought of the mystery that you, the God of heaven and earth, would die for us. There are some here this morning who have rejected such a great gift. The deal is this, that if we come to an old rugged cross and lay all of our sins there and give them to you, Jesus Christ, 
and ask that you be Lord of our hearts, you will forgive us and make us the inheritors of your kingdom. What an amazing gift. Lord, our possessions can be taken from us this very day. Our family and our loved ones can be taken from us this very day. Our very life can be taken from us this very day. But the one thing that can never be taken from us is the gift of your salvation. And this week, we thank you for your salvation. Let us celebrate this week knowing and confirming to everyone we meet there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen.